Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hello, everyone. Yeah. I'm here with Sabrina, an old friend of mine. We haven't seen each other IRL in like 10 years. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, how are you? I'm I'm pretty good today. Today's all right. You know, I try to be honest these days when people ask that. Today yeah. I'm all right. Yeah, how are you? I like that. I saw um, I saw on your Instagram talking about saying that like I'm good and you know um, I'm paraphrasing because it's been a while since I've seen it, mm-hmm. but I'm good and things are also kind of like this, which could be kind of shitty, but like I'm good. I'm, I'm hanging in there, and I, I loved when you when you named that and put that out there. Yeah, um, I th- yeah, yeah, we're just so conditioned to be like I'm good. How are you? It's like, yeah. I'm good. And like really underneath, we're like, I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've been practicing it more lately. Yeah. Yeah. What's on your Yeah. Mind? So I'm, 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 I am good. I am tired. I, I, um, when I read the little, um, the blurb or the email of what's going to happen today. And it said, you know, appear camera ready. I had this idea that I'd like do my hair and like do my nails. <laughs> Not a chance. I just got this puppy. And oh. who would have thought that this, this tiny little thing could bring me and my entire household to our knees. 100%. I mean, so it's like a baby. Work. Yes. It's like a two-year-old. Yeah. Oh, Lord. So, what kind of puppy yeah. did you get? I got a, um, a Labrador retriever. Cute. She's, she's so cute. And, um, you know, part of me, it's like, I like to rescue animals, like to save animals. And um, this animal is being raised to be a service animal for a combat veteran. Wow. So we got what was going to be like a good animal. And she, you know, we paid for her to be alive. So I feel like extra responsible. Yeah. So, Yeah. Did you have conversations about whether or not to buy a bred dog or rescue a dog? And like, did you go, you know, at least discuss that? Absolutely. Um, And because of COVID, like all the shelters around my area, they had no, no puppies and you kind of have to get them a little bit young because you got to train them. Right. Right. Um, Otherwise I would have just rescued anything, um, you know, but um, but you know, we got this little girl, and uh, so great. It's been a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, first of all, I want to um, I want to make sure that we don't forget um, your pronouns. Can you clarify? Make sure we all know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. My pronouns are a she they. Perfect. Thank you. And thank you, you for asking. Yeah, of course. And you identify as a stripper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, we did strip together. So Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you and yeah. I have actually known each other since like 2003. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It's a long yes. time ago. 
I know. I know. Yeah. Spearmint Rhino, Van Nuys. Do you remember those days? Or was it somewhere else first? I mean, yes, yes, that. And Vegas. I think we were in Vegas together, too. Oh, my God. Um, and we were at Foreplay together. Are you kidding? It was three places? Yep, yep, what, yep, yep. What would have been before Van Nuys? Because I did Blue Zebra in this order. Blue Zebra, Spearmint Rhino, Los Angeles, like downtown LA, and um, and Vegas and Van Nuys. Or Van Nuys and oh. Vegas. like. Downtown LA has kind of like a, um, a, a special soft spot in my heart. They used to say that, um, that when you walk in there, it smells like a combination of, um, of a feet and pussy. Um, <laughs> can I say that? On of here? <laughs> fuck you want on this show. Um, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think it was, um, it was either. It, yeah, it was a uh, swim run of Van Nuys actually. Yeah. It, yeah, I think that was where I first met you. It must have been. Yeah. Yes. What a lifetime ago. It sure was. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember, because I don't remember, um, we didn't pay house fees back then. Like, we didn't pay to show up and work and were negative when we showed up like they do now. Right? No. Right. No, they didn't do that. But, of course, we, we tipped – on all the dances yeah so if you didn't make any dances you weren't leaving with with zero dollars right you were just leaving a little bit like upset <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um yeah it's just so different now because i hear about house fees that are like a hundred dollars or 150 and uh, i'm like it's just so funny seeing such a change over the last two decades. Like we just didn't pay that. And even at foreplay, we didn't pay a house fee. Did we? I don't think so. You know what? My, my last, um, many years there, like seven years, I was a feature. So I was actually Mm. one of the lucky ones that actually got paid to walk in the door. Mm. Um, God, I wish. And before, before, yeah, it's never enough though. Um, <laughs> um, and before, I don't remember to be honest. It, I was there a long time, you know. Out of, out of all of the, but longer. Like I, I think I was a, I'm like a, I, I was just stripping and doing lap dance. I don't want to say just stripping and doing lap dances, but I was, you know, hitting the floor pretty hard for about three years before um, before I started as a feature there. Right. It was, it was, I was there for a while. I liked it there. Yeah. I did not like it there. There were like things. There were a lot were of things. things. There were a lot of things for me, but also that's where I fell in love with the love of my life there from there. So I, and it was during a time where I was dealing with horophobia and I had this narrative mm-hmm. in my head where it was impossible to be in love and do sex work at the same time. That was my narrative, you know, and I'm, I look back on that and realize how naive, oh, you poor thing, you know, <laughs> when I look back, but yeah, that's also. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because, um, because there's a, um, a little story I'd like to share oh, uh, I would love it. about, <laughs> about being at foreplay around the time when you met the love of your life, um, uh, do I have permission to share the story? Yeah, of course. 
Yeah. So, um, so what people, when people say, you know, what do you love about being a stripper? And I would rattle off a bunch of things, but number one on my list was, um, you can say whatever you want in those rooms, like mm-hmm. whatever the fuck you want, you can say whatever you want. So I'm in the dressing room and I'm eating like this bowl of rice. Mm-hmm. I'm eating rice and you walk over and I'm sitting there. You literally bend over and like, kind of like moved your butt cheek to the side. And you were like, does my, does my pussy look okay? And I was like, yeah, like it, it looks amazing. And I'm like eating my dinner and, and then you just walked away. But it was like, I think it was because it was like, you had just kind of started having the feels for this person and you wanted to see that, that you looked all right. And it was just such a, an epic moment of like, this is just what happens back here. Like, yeah, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Anne-Marie or (laughs) girl. I know. I know. It's hard. Especially when we're like between each other. I get it. I get it. I'm working on it. Yeah, babe. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah, babe. Yeah. 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 um, That's so funny because I could I'm glad that you mentioned. Yeah. Sorry. I could have just looked in the mirror I could have just bent over and looked in the mirror like why was it so necessary to put my vagina in my friend's face I thought it was great just just on GP <laughs> like you know like yeah I got your back I got your six you look it's it's all it's immaculate oh my gosh um, but I'm glad that you mentioned about the horophobia and which also another brilliant video that you made about horophobia on Instagram and dating because at the time I was with the love of my life and um I would hear that message a lot. You know, I was accepted for being a stripper. I mean, you know, it's like when you're dating, I feel like combat veterans and rock stars always, always merge towards strippers. And I was dating a rock star at the time. And so there was no judgment, tons of freedom. And it was like, great. But I always got this message, which was, oh, she's a, I think she's a hoe. I think, you know, she's a prostitute. But I'm like, well, like, like, what does this person think about me? Like deep down inside, like, am I a hoe? Uh, I kind of am because I, I like hoes. Hoes are good. Right. You know, it's like ho to me is a positive word, but I'm glad that you're bringing that into the light that, you know, being a sex worker, being a stripper, so, and right. like you can't have love. Like you got to, you know, feel like that horophobia, which, well, I'm a stripper, but at least I'm not a prostitute. You know, right. look at her, look at her back there. And it's like, thank you for naming that. Thank you. Well, I didn't name it. I mean, I learned. I learned from other experienced sex workers and sex workers who were a lot more woke than I was at the time. And they opened my eyes to my own horophobia that was plaguing me. And, like, as all, you know, I, I don't look at it as um, anybody that suffers for, from horophobia. I look at it as, like, you were born into a system that conditioned you to believe these things about women and the choices they make with their bodies because we're constantly being sent these messages via the media. And when I say the media, I'm referencing music videos, movies, television, commercials, you know? And so it's like we we all fall victim to it. And unless you're a critical thinker and surround yourself with critical thinkers, then you could potentially live with that phobia your whole life and then you apply that same phobia to your own actions and to yourself and that increases your negative self-talk on any actions you choose to take with your body so it's really damaging all around so Mm -hmm. 
I'm just saying out yeah. loud what I have learned from other sex workers. So we can thank the sex worker goddesses that came before us, you know, that taught us that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's the social construction of sexualities and of, um, you know, people embodying a female body, male body, all these, um, you know, women's liberation and feminism. It's all this stuff all the things that, that we put meaning on mm. is socially constructed yes. and meaning is important. You know, things that are meaningful, that's, that's important. So I, I kind of vacillate between, you know, social construction being a negative thing, but also like some things are really meaningful, but I think being somewhere in the middle is where, you know, there is happiness. If you can say, yes, this is a social construction of X, Y, and Z. And this is something that, that really means something to me, but kind of surrender, surrender meaning because yeah. what is meaning? I mean, does it really exist? If I say, I mean, because we're, you know, we're in this environment, I'll use sex work as an example. Okay. If I say I'm a, I'm a, um, I specialize in, in anal fisting. I'm a dom and that's my specialty. Um, right. And I'm, I'm on a date. It doesn't mean anything other than, well, that's your job, right? Right. Um, you can put a bunch of meaning to it. The person can say, well, I'm a Christian and I don't believe in that raw, raw, raw. Or you can take the meaning off it. There, there's no meaning. It doesn't mean anything. And I think the problem is right. when people put meaning on something so much that it causes me to to judge you to not like you to not want to be around you to marginalize you right. and i think that that's where meaning is a problem yeah mm -hmm. i love this book oh actually this is a polyvagal theory i thought this was something else hold on what is I thought it was, oh you thought it was something else okay the, the polyvagal i thought it was the polyamorous next door because oh. there's a lot of meaning a lot of meaning put behind multiple partners right which I'm, I'm, in, I'm into. I love, I, I want to be into polyamory. I just need to find someone who wants to be in it with me. So, <laughs> but like, yeah. I, you know, we had a guest on the podcast. Uh, she goes by the name Kinky Slippers. And we talked about polyamory. And um, one of the things that we discussed was how even within polyamory, there can still be a level of emotional immaturity and not enough communication um, and responsibility around having multiple partners and I have seen an example of that um, through a friend of mine who um, you know someone she knows is involved in polyamory and they recently had a situation where someone had their their partner had had sex with two other people without communicating it first and but this is also during the time of COVID so there is even a higher level of responsibility right now because even the act of talking to somebody in a room with a mask off without responsibly communicating can be an issue for some people. And so, you know, I do recognize that even though polyamory is like so badass and like seems awesome that there's still such a high level of responsibility. Do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why, um, you know, that the contract, so to speak, is, is so important, you know, because you name, you know, what is going to be the responsibility of all parties right. and then, um, you know, stick to it. And if something is broken, you can mend it. 
Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in polyamorous relationships before. I'm, I'm poly by nature. I always used oh to gosh. say, I don't want to steal anyone's joy. So babe, if you want to, I used to tell my boyfriend, babe, 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 when you're on tour, like find like a hot blonde chick and have sex with her and tell me all about it. He's like, you're out of your mind. And I'm like, no, really? Um, Cause that, that excites me because I think it's freedom and freedom yeah. excites me. Right. Yeah. But but yes, there can be problems. Of course, there's still feelings. And I think that's what makes it so exciting because you get to combat um, feelings of jealousy. You get to yeah. heal all these things. You know, jealousy can be a wound. You know, it's there's trauma yeah. behind jealousy and there's pain there. And I think in poly relationships, I think people can be fully expressed as human beings. I think they're full expression of sexuality and creativity and... Um, even uh, professionalism. I think everything can be fully expressed in a poly relationship. And there are also problems as in any relationship. Right. Um, but I just think it's the bee's knees. Yeah, same. Like I said, I don't know if there's like a polyamorous dating app or something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make one. <laughs> Like, where do I even start, you know, because I want, I would want it to be with um, a responsible person and I can't even find a responsible person as like a normal dating partner. So, you know, um, but then again, I haven't been looking that much lately. I mean, a pandemic really kind of puts the uh, brakes on casual dating, you know. Yeah. Not so accessible currently. Yeah, thank God for vibrators. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, you are going to school right now, right? Mm-hmm. To get yes. your PhD. Yes? Yes, I okay, think thank God I'm, I got I'm that gonna, right. Yes, I'm either going to go for the PhD or for the PsyD, but okay. I'm pretty sure um, they're both doctorates in psychology. And as much as I love research, like I never thought that I'd love research. And I never thought that I'd be like, um, do you have science to back that up when I'm talking to people about stuff? And now that's me. That's me. I'm that person. Um, yeah. But I'm really going to be working um, with people. And when you do the society route, you, you learn more like um, skill to be with people. So, um, yeah. Society? I don't, I've never heard of this. Can you, can you explain what that is? A side D? A side D. So it's, um, it, I have almost a 4.0 and I'm a horrible speller. So I have to like write this down. It's, it's a, a capital P lowercase S a Y and a D, a side D. It's a, um, and I forgot what it stands for, but I can tell you what it means. Mm. So when you do the PhD route, you're, you're mainly focusing on research. So you um, um, apply to a university, you're on that university's research team, and, and, and you're just mainly doing research. A side D, you do a little bit of research, um, but you're mainly learning, um, it's a doctorate in learning how to be um, a, a psychologist, how to work with people in session, one-on-one, in groups. And, okay. um, you know, um, I'm, I'm all for traditional psychotherapy, but my jam is somatics. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also a somatic sex educator, and I'm also at a separate school studying um somatic experiencing, which okay. is a, a trauma remediation uh, um, approach. 
you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing the society, I'm doing the doctorate. And then one last leg will be getting um, certified to work with a, a doctor uh, assisted psychedelics for, um, for PTSD. So we're going to have to know more about the somatic thing. And then what was the second interesting thing that you said? Psycho therapy? Oh, yes. So, um, so after I get the doctorate, I'm going to get a, um, a certification to work with doctor, um, assisted psychedelics. So administering psychedelics yeah, for psychedelics. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we have to break all this down. So tell us what the somatic thing is. I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, so, so there, there are two things I'm going to, you know, they say that in order to get an Italian to stop, how do you get an Italian to stop talking? You tie their hands behind their back. So I'm just going to put my hands in my lap okay. not to stop talking, but I can't stop moving. Um, so I am a somatic sex educator and I study somatic experiencing, which is a trauma remediation modality. And, um, I do that. I do the um, somatic experiencing at the Trauma Institute, and I got uh, certified um, in San Francisco at the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. And so, what it is is basically, in a nutshell, somatics is creating a space for people to come back into their bodies, track the physiology of their nervous system. You know, we're living in this environment where we're there's so there's so much trauma, whether it be um, pervasive trauma from like maybe you're um, in a marginalized community and you're for so many years you're constantly being put down. Well, that creates trauma. Say you're in a car accident. Well, that creates an acute trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we get out of our bodies, we dissociate, um, and it causes a slew of problems, um, health problems, emotional problems. And so we basically are, are trained to um, track the physiology of the nervous system and help people complete what needs to be completed in their bodies to feel good again, to feel joyful again, to feel pleasure again, because joy can't exist in a body that's either so activated that people are just, ah, you know, really up here and joy and pleasure can't exist in a body that's dissociated Mm -hmm. because when you get so upright regulated by trauma, the body's defense mechanism is just to shut down and then you dissociate. So my job is to help people find balance Mm -hmm. and um, enjoy and pleasure. Do you suppose when I'm in bed at night and I'm freaking out in my head, which happens sometimes, and then my coping mechanism is to convince slash remind myself that I am a visitor in this dimension (laughs) and that, um, that I'm here to observe and learn and I remind myself that this is temporary and that nothing really matters because I am a visitor in a pretty random dimension. Do you suppose that that is a form of disassociation and potentially not very healthy? 
I wouldn't necessarily say that. Um, I mean, yes and no. Okay. It can be a form of dissociation and it can be also a form of something very healthy, which is just changing like your, your thoughts. Mm. Um, in cognitive behavioral therapy, it's a technique where the therapist helps change your, your thinking about, you know, your thoughts. So if, um, or change the way you think about things. Like if you're claustrophobic and you're in an elevator, instead of, oh my gosh, I can't breathe. Uh, well, if I change my thinking, the reality of it is I'm at a safe elevator. If something happens, there's a phone, I'm okay. So it sounds like to me, that's what you're doing. And, and it's a responsible thing to do to change the way that you think about things to, to okay. bring yourself back down. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah. sometimes I'm like, I don't know how healthy this is. I'm like trying to pretend that like, I'm not really here and that this is all the matrix and, you know, and so I do, I do go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Like, is this okay? Or yeah, you know, but it helps. I mean, I think it's, (laughs) I think it depends on how you look at it. You know, I mean, some, some may think that it's a form of dissociation, but to me, it sounds like a responsible way to, to get through like all of these things that we're feeling right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll tell you yeah. what, it does, the whole world does seem topsy-turvy, and it does feel like a brand new place, in a way, you know? Anyway, that's, it's just been interesting noticing that um, life is just so different these days than it was a year ago, and then when when I look back on our life, you know, when we were dancing nude in the LA strip clubs. It's just so interesting, like the phases of life and how everything changes around us. You know, I'm just acknowledging that and feeling that these days. <laughs> now like the, the, the SCP is coming out and I want to say, well, how does that feel? Is it a good feeling? I mean, does it feel good? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it feels. I I need I have a lot of figuring things out to do. I've been microdosing mushrooms. That's that helps. So and speaking of that, because that is something that you're also getting into, right? The healing via psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell yeah. us about that? Well, I first I it first came to mind when um, a, a dear friend of mine who served. Um, as a, as a uh, combat veteran, a Navy SEAL, um, shared with me a story about somebody that they know who had gone and, and gotten some, um, some treatment in a different country for their PTSD. And I thought, wow, it's really interesting. And then um, I'm surrounded by combat veterans. I, it just happens to be that for a lot of different reasons, I'm around them a lot. Yeah. And um, I love working with them. I've worked with many of them. And um, and I had the privilege of bearing witness to the most amazing story I've ever heard about war and PTSD and, and coming back to goodness. And it involved um, somebody being a part of the MDMA trials for the Department of Veterans Affairs. And I didn't know the VA was doing this. MDMA um, trials? Nice. Uh, yeah, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a beautiful story. And um, 
you know, I, I come from a military family. My sister served, um, uh, my partner served, uh, a couple of my lovers served, my uncle and, um, and, you know, some of them got, you know, really, really clumped up in, in war. So I have a heart for veterans like big time. Okay. And, um, and I've committed after this long track of academia. And as you can tell, I move around constantly. I'm a dancer, I'm a mover. And to, and to do this education is a lot for me, but I've committed to finishing the doctorate and getting this certification to work with um, uh, psychedelic assisted therapies because um, of the stories that I've heard of goodness restored. And uh, Johns Hopkins is doing a study, Stanford's in the middle of a study right now. And um, <clears throat> it's really exciting because they're finding some, you know, some good, some good benefits in these microdosing, along with um, <clears throat> uh, so, um, kind of other modalities um, to go with it. And I think it's really exciting, and I think it's relevant, and I think it's important. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like I'm like a naked, peaceful, like heavy metal loving hippie, and um, I wish we could just all be peaceful. You know, but the reality of, of our of our world is, is that somebody, um, politics aside, let's put that aside. Somebody has to has to do this job, and that's the job of the um, uh, of the troop. Yeah. And when these when these uh, people come back from the battlefield, it's like whatever y'all need. If you want us to do studies and and on psychedelics or like whatever you need, that's going to work. Let's do it. That's you what know, they're, that's it. like so, their sentiment you're saying, like the veterans are like, that's, yeah. that's my sentiment. Okay. You know, like I, I see them come back and I've seen some get better and I've seen, you know, a lot of them are, <clears throat> that's a whole other conversation. Sure. That's a long story. I can talk okay. forever on that, but bottom line is I'm, I'm really committed to this for all people, but I have to say that my heart my baby projects are combat veterans um, and sex workers, you know, to um, help with this uh, yeah. uh, trauma. Yeah. So John Hopkins is studying healing through psychedelics? Yes, ma'am. There's incredible. a. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, because, yeah. like, that just gives validity to, like, this extremely like what's considered illegal drug right aren't they aren't psychedelics schedule one drugs considered by our government yes um mdma still is right um i think it's an organ now you can you can find like uh, psilocybin mushrooms legally mm -hmm. um but yes mdma is schedule one so the um, mdma can be used if it's being used in um, an experiment that's being conducted through university um, that's unfair that's unfair you know like whatever yeah. <laughs> like why do you get to play with it and we can't yeah I mean, we yeah. do. I can. I do when I want. You know, I don't care. I just break the law. Oh, am I incriminating myself right now? <laughs> I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah, but hundreds of other people will. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> Come and get me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so in this work that you're doing, do you 
and and let me know if you're not if you shouldn't answer this but do you get the opportunity to have sessions where either you or someone that you're working with is taking a psychedelic and then you like practice a conversation or what does that look like that i'm not doing that yet i am i am personally years away from that but but the people that are doing it yes so um what it can look like and what it does look like is um, a patient or um, participant is administered a certain amount of, um, of, of psychoactive, psychoactive drugs. And then, yes, there's a conversation. And um, the administrator acts as a guide, but also they are um, practicing a form of somatic experiencing, mm. which is continually helping the person check in with their body and um and um, and that's all I know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like I need to do it. Like it, okay. it, 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 I need to do it. It just yeah. makes sense to every molecule in my body, every cell in my body. It resonates as something that um, that I need to do. That's really yeah. nice. That I I understand that feeling. So, yeah, <sighs> that's incredible. I, I was just having a conversation with my sister today about how I just refuse to do work that I don't like to do, that I only do what I like to do or what's like a deep calling from within. And like, that's what I will do. And if there's, if it's not a deep calling, I just don't partake, you know? And, um, so that, that I think that's really great that you're, uh, you feel that like this, this intense deep calling you know and I uh, I wish that for so many others for so many people I do too because you know I've been fortunate in that you know when I was from the time I was 16 I, I dreamt of being a stripper you know yes. and I was one you know yeah. I became one on my 18th birthday you know this. and um and, you know, for 20 years, I had this dream that I wanted to be um, a sexological body worker and a sex educator. And that happened. Um, I, for many years, I wanted to be a psychologist. That is happening. So I've always done things that I love doing that I'm super passionate about. Right. And, um, and, you know, coming, this reminds me of coming back to the club, the strip club. When it became time for me to leave, the club I didn't lose my passion for it I became disappointed with it Mm. and I'll tell you why because the more education that I got especially as a sex educator the more that I realized that I couldn't stand for what was happening in those rooms like aside from what's happening with the management that's a whole other Mm -hmm. enchilada Mm -hmm. but here you have you have customers that come in that that don't know how to talk to performers that don't know how to touch performers that is if they're given permission that don't know how to even be with a performer and I'm saying performer because I don't want to say woman because it may not be you know um and but they can because what do they have? Money. So essentially what, what we were doing is reinforcing their poor behavior towards us by faking we are interested. So because we got to pay rent and, um, and then off they go thinking that that's how they can be with people in the world 
And I, I couldn't stand for it anymore. Like I wanted more for them and I wanted more for myself. Like I wanted to be like, why can't this be a situation where it's, you come in here and, and you actually get to learn. You get to learn how to talk to somebody. You, you get to learn how to touch. Go ahead. I know you're no, kind no, of no. You're bringing up an excellent. <laughs> you're right. Yes, and you're actually bringing up something that I wanted to make sure that we cover, which is um, that you have a fantasy that customers would come to strip clubs to appreciate amazing dancing and learn how to treat strippers in a way that makes us love giving lap dances. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like elicits like a deep breath. Like that's my mm -hmm. nervous system just charging some energy. Yes, please. Because it could be like that. It could be like that. It, it, it definitely could be. The, the whole system is run by a group of men. The whole strip club system. Um, the, you know, it was created by them. It's always been run by them with a very small percentage of females being in, in a head charge position. And you know, I was just talking with, I, this has come up in the last 24 hours, this conversation around how our men have never been educated around sex and how to treat a woman around sex. So to give you an example, a friend of mine recently has a new boyfriend. They, my friend was tired, went to sleep early, didn't want to have sex that night with their partner and the partner's response was you really hurt my feelings exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> my response to my friend was will you tell him that the choices that you make with your body have absolutely nothing to do with his feelings and then right after that i said jesus you know this is because we don't educate people in general about mm -hmm. sex and because men are physically stronger they are the most they're it's super important to teach them about sex and how and how to treat women's bodies um but here they are flailing around because our patriarchal system and religious society that we live in doesn't want to talk about sex so we Why would they? Because because not not talking about it benefits the patriot. I, I mean, I hate to be that person because I tend to be more moderate. But it's like mm -hmm. it 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 benefits the people that are benefiting from giving nothing in the bedroom and getting everything and expecting everything, and um, and that's a problem. You know, we think because I think there's a um, a notion that because sex is a biological drive and a need that we should know how to do it. But I got news for you. We don't know how to do it. We need to be taught. And, um, and penis owners are penis owners, especially it's a carryover from the Victorian era when scientists and doctors said women, women aren't sexual beings. They're not. So men visited prostitutes to get their rocks off and come home to their wives that they had children with. But the problem is today, what most people with a vulva report, if they're having sex with a penis owner, is, is that it's P and V sex, the penis ejaculates and we're all done. We're all done here. And that is not, 
Nah, that is bro. not it, my friend. Nah. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, right. Mm. And it's a problem. It's a problem. And um, I'm, I'm committed to helping that with that, as, as you know, as well, in terms yes. of educating um, all of us, you know, giving, giving vulva owners a voice. Like we need to learn how to have a voice um, and practice using that voice. And also yeah. we need to way slow down how we have sex. And that's also a whole nother hour of conversation. So I'll stop there. But these conversations are important because vulva owners need to know that P and V sex with one ejaculation, Penny, that ain't where it at. Right. Person, friend, friend, that's, there's so much more. (laughs) Yes. How do we reach these kids? You know, like, I am so grateful that you're doing the work and like, how do we get sex education, proper sex education to the younger generation so we can start with them at a young age like I feel like there's just so many barriers because of this conservative puritanical type society that we live in specifically in America I I mean I'm sure that this exists elsewhere but I just don't know enough so I'm gonna generalize America instead but like Mm -hmm. how you know what do we do and I'm not I don't really expect you to have the answer but it's something that I think about a lot like how do we educate the younger generation and start talking to them about the things that like about sex and drugs early on so that they know what they're doing instead of trying to figure out by themselves because no one will teach them did you know that several states don't even by law have to teach accurate sex education, the tiny amount of sex education they teach anyway, some states still to this day, by law, aren't required to teach accurate information. Holy cow, that's crazy. Here comes my inner nerd. But yeah, that's that's a true thing. No, I did not know that. And is there like a cabinet position for sex education? I think there should be. I'll tell you what I think needs to happen is I think there needs to be a whole um, revamping of sex education. I know that we're on a time limit here. (laughs) We're both looking over the clock. It has to be comprehensive and inclusive and completely redone. And... um, and that will be a start. But also as a somatic sex educator, any young penis owner, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Any young, any young person, if you're 18 to 25, and if you read the anatomy of female arousal, I will give you a free coaching session. Wow. I stand by that. Okay. All <laughs> I stand right. By that. Well, I hope that there are 18 to 25 year old penis owners listening to this right now you know what let's just open it up how about everyone okay everyone out there if you read the anatomy of female arousal i will session with you once for free wow that's how committed i am that's amazing thank you for that offer want to be fabulous just like these strippers pay attention it's stripper tips my stripper tip is this whether it's an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, or a therapist, seek out a practitioner that you see, whether it be twice a month or once a month on a regular basis, who is somatically informed that can help you come back to your body. 
Because the nature of the job with marginalization and pervasive trauma around sex workers, because of the nature of it, we need that. And the argument can be, I can't afford it, but you can't afford not to. So session, self-care, self-care. Okay. Because even for those that love this work, we need to, to see somebody that can help us yeah. come back to our bodies. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's a lovely mm-hmm. stripper tip, and it's the first of its kind. Yeah. Thank you. Get ready for our rapid-fire question round. It's time for four for one. First okay. question. <clears throat> if you could live in any fictional world from books, TV, or movies, what world would you live in? Fictional world? I would be um, probably like in Twilight with vampires and um, werewolves. Yeah, they're so sexy. Super sexy. Aren't the kids, though? Is that gross? Is that weird? Have you ever had lice mm-hmm. as a kid? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Is cereal <laughs> soup? Why or why not? Cereal is not soup because I have no answer for that. It's just not soup. I changed my answer. Cereal, cereal is soup. It's soup. <laughs> and it is it is because you eat it with the with the spoon. And it's liquid. Yeah. I would say <laughs> yes too. Last one. What's invisible but you wish people could see? My penis. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I do wish we had more time. That would be amazing because there's so many things that like I want to get into more with you. But so how can people follow you to learn more about the things? And do you have anything coming up that you would like people to know about? I do. I do have. Um, you can follow me at um, House of Sensual Arts on um, Instagram. And um you can also follow me. I have to look because I honestly, it's kind of a new page that's waiting to be finished. Um, and pleasure method underscore, I'm sorry, pleasure underscore method on Instagram. And I do have um, these um, workshops coming up on genital mapping. And, um, and finding one sexual voice. And those will be um, advertised on pleasure underscore method really soon. And um, yeah. Awesome. That's what's coming up. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so thank much you. for joining us today. Um, this has just been so enlightening. So thank you for sharing all of your experiences. And it's lovely to see your face. And I look forward to the day we can see each other in person again. That would be lovely. Me me too. And yeah. thank you so much for having me. It's You're just, so um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. absolutely. All right, everyone. Thanks to you too. As always for tuning in, catch this podcast every Wednesday when we drop it in the morning. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. This episode has been a production with Period Podcast Network. 
Find out more on Instagram at period podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Instagram too at yes, a stripper podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at yes, a stripper pod. Please like subscribe and rate. Yes. A stripper podcast here on YouTube. See you next week.